Today's episode is brought to you by JetTech, an incredible Australian-made company specializing in jet ski accessories. Fish boxes, fish bags, jet ski sleds, jet ski sunglass, goggle hybrids, anything you can think of that you might need for your ski, they've got it. I just got myself a ski primarily for fishing purposes and JetTech absolutely blew my mind with their range of products. They're pretty much essential if you're thinking of ripping in some fish off the back of your ski and they've got you fully covered if you're thinking of using your ski for surfing purposes. Just make sure you do the right thing and don't piss off anyone who's paddling. Ain't That Swell presents Crawlboards. Today our guest is me. I'm joined by Shannon Ferrugia from the Terrible Happy Talks podcast. It's a mental pod. Go over and have a look at it. There's plenty of Australian and international skaters, surfers, MMA fighters, biohackers, entrepreneurs and whatnot. Today we sit down for a chat about a range of topics, everything from meditation and psychedelics to dog shots and biohacks. Enjoy. Hey, it's Shan here. This week, I speak with Jed Smith. Jed has been on the show before. I think this will be his third time, except unlike the other times, this time it's in real life. So Jed and I met up in the beautiful area of Byron Bay, Australia, had a good afternoon, good chat, hanging out. Jed's an interesting cat, man. He's very endearing. I don't know how to describe him. He's, he's raw. He's authentic. He's educated. He's opinionated. He's a former vice media journalist. He's a former journalist for News Limited. He's also a surf journalist for various surf media publications. But most predominantly, he's the co-host of the most popular surfing podcast in the world. That is the Ain't That Swell podcast. And Jed and I uh, just talk about life and this experience. I mean, we don't talk about surfing at all. We talk about diets and biohacks and literally how we can be the best version of ourselves. I mean, Jed's Aussie battler background uh, has led him down paths in life that were very destructive and he's acknowledged that and he's rectifying that and has rectified it in a lot of ways and he's just going from level to level to level and it's really apparent and I've seen it uh, just monitoring him and listening to him over the last few years. It's a great conversation. We go off on some political bullshit tangents and I fucking hate talking about that stuff because I'm not a political commentator and there's so many better political commentators over there and I kind of brought up some of the shit and I kind of was like cringing at it and I'm like, well, that's how the conversation went and I'm just going to stand by it. So I didn't cut it out, but please don't come at me with like telling me how wrong I am. I know I'm fucking wrong. Like I just started talking about it and... Jed was kind of the same, and I just sort of regret talking about that dark shit that's happening in the world at the moment. So anyway, hope you enjoy my conversation with Mr. Jed Smith. Why do you think you're doing the keto thing? 
Uh, well, I know it's good for concussion. That's the main reason. It's good to have your brain running on ketones. That's what I got told. Uh, I flick between the paleo and the keto diet, but they'll have probably too many cheat days as well. But like the keto is, is yeah, is the one for, for concussion and depression, I believe. Right. Yeah. A lot of good data in, behind it. It feels like a lot of things you do are based around managing concussion. Yeah. And healing from years of it. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's like a big part of your story, hey? Yeah. Man, it's funny because I never really thought about it until all that stuff about CTE came out around, uh, yeah, American Gridiron and all that. And then I was like, fuck, it was the first time I'd ever thought about it really. And I was like, wow. And I started telling him up. And then I was like, whoa, I've also had like, you know, kind of three to four dog shots. And I'm like, is a dog shot worth like fucking five concussions? Like those things are out of hand. Some kind of just fucking. In total of your life? Oh, there's been or like. recently? Oh, in the total. But they all came within a pretty short period, 17 to 21, 17 to 19 even. Yeah, my jaws become really sensitive. Like, um, in my late forties and just recently, like my son, he's like five and he jumped up and hit me square on the jaw, mm. like between, between the chin and where you, you know, your mandible right mm-hmm. before it starts to curl up. Didn't even get me that hard and it, a slight rattling of the head. And for days I was really vague. I uh, couldn't remember really? things. Yeah. And uh, prior to that, I'd been boxing and doing MMA. For years, yeah. and sparring, and uh, I just felt like even blocking punches, I was walking away feeling rattled, and I've just walk, I've stopped it all because I just my head feels too sensitive. Interesting. And did you have head knocks when you were younger? Yeah, I've been knocked out cold twice. Yeah, once on my skateboard, oh. uh, another time riding a, a bike without a helmet, oh. and just went over the handlebars, and just next thing I'm sitting in the gutter going, "How did I get here?" And then a couple of fights, I mm. got hit. But I think also training a lot, um, mm. just repeated little knocks. A lot even, of sparring. Even, a lot of sparring, like a lot of touch sparring, mm. thinking, oh, it's just touch sparring. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, man. The fight game is uh, really the home of the concussion, but so too like rugby league and rugby union and then, yeah, and then you just get unlucky a couple of times surfing and – Fucking get tagged by some older fucking bloke at the pub, you know, some over some bullshit. Like it all adds up. But uh yeah, keto and paleo, they're the fucking ones, man. Paleo as well, the Terry Wall protocol. This doctor, um she does some great podcasts with Drew Perroyt and Mark Hyman, they're two of my like go to's for biohacking advice. They're both like fucking high end podcasts, similar to Huberman, but a bit more uh Bit more digestible, okay. Bit, bit less caught up in the numbers, like still caught up in the numbers sufficiently, but not like fucking nerding out on it. Were you? <laughs> the Did you read that book by Mark Sisson called The Primal Palette? No. Or The Primal Blueprint? No. He was kind of at the start of it, and he inspired Laird Hamilton to really go down that path with you know low carb, high fat diets. Mm. And I read it and I actually listened to the audio book numerous times and it gives you like a 21 day protocol to actually like, he reckons it takes 21 days for your body to adapt to it. And in the first 21 days, you're going to be headachy. Your guts are going to be really like 
you're going to be shitty, you're going to be shitting your pants all the time. 21 days. And 21 days, and then it, all of a sudden it just will um, make fat your pri- your body's go-to primary energy source. Yep. So it, it always goes for the carbs first because they're easy to access. They they burn quick. They burn rapidly. But they have byproducts, and then it'll click into the fat. But he's trained it, so it'll go looking for the fat first, apparently. Yeah. That, and then the brain starts to run on ketones as its fuel, and that's the money for concussion and Alzheimer's and depression and a, a lot of yeah cognitive issues. It's it's where the the brain tends to run on glycogen and, and glucose and carbs for the majority of its life and never gets the chance to run on ketones. And I guess when you go back through the evolution of man, like a lot of like carbs would have been in short supply. Like there's Fuck, they would have only been getting them from potato, really, and yam, and they wouldn't have always had access to them. So it would have been meat and berries and greens and nuts. That would have been the, that, and that's, that's the keto diet, basically, or the paleo diet, which is, yeah, they're both similar. The only difference is the keto has the, the cheese and shit in it, and it doesn't have the sugary fruits. That, like, you can have some, but you got to keep it at a certain point. And yeah, man, I, I I relate to that feeling like shit during it. That's why I gave it up because I, I really, yeah, fuck, it was impressive how bad I felt. Like, Do you find that you're getting that, what they call keto clarity at times? Uh, it's a good question, man. Like, I think clarity is important. Clarity is what you want, especially after a bunch of head injuries, but clarity at the expense of feeling happy and like well you know i don't know if that's a good trade-off so it's like you, you can be clear but highly strong and then that's where that chuff comes in because it's very hard to be highly strung when you're chuffed but do you still chuff i just chuffed i can't tell that's good um <laughs> it's because of the ketones <laughs> the ketones and the fucking terpenes in a microdose this morning. I actually went hard on the, the supplements, the brain supplements today. Okay, so like nootropics? Yeah. Such as? Um, neural nectar. Never heard of it. It's just a, a mushroom blend from uh, Superfeast. Nice. And I think Forest Foods are an Aussie mushroom company, uh, and they made they've made the, yes, they've made some amazing mushroom capsules like Lion's Mane, Reishi, Ashwagandha, Affordable... Aussie made, you can trust it, you know, like not to saying you can't necessarily trust the Chinese stuff. I mean, that's where the shit's fucking from. But, uh, you know what I mean? Like they invented like medicinal mushroom use pretty much. So like they do also have the creme de la creme, but hard to know who's who and what's what. So I went go with the Aussie bikes and yeah, it's, and so mushies, neural nectar, magic mushroom, 0.2 gram, B3, uh, magnesium, the full, Paul Stamets Protocol. I was, I, can't, I was just about to say that. The Shilajit. Never heard it. Shilajit's this trippy, uh, it's like a, they call it the sap of the mountains. And it's like, it comes from like the Himalayas. Um, I guess primarily in India, I don't know, but maybe in Nepal too. But yeah, it's just this fucking, it looks like Nutella, but like toffee. It's like a toffee version of that. And it's not sweet, it's like fully medicinal and you just put a pea size of it in your coffee or tea and apparently it's meant to be amazing for Alzheimer's and these kind of cognitive ailments that 
said in later in life and also earlier with concussions. Uh, under that Paul Stamets protocol, how many consecutive days are you doing it? Are you working? Are you working to a strict set set amount of days and have a break, or are you just doing it as per feeling? Man, I, if I was disciplined, I would do it. Uh, in a a cycle, but uh, yeah, I'm a little bit ill-disciplined at the moment, but that's part of like my New Year's resolution is to go get really disciplined and go really hard at like all of the things I know can impact my health and cognitive health, brain health, and like love and enjoyment of life. So like the health aspect is fundamental to all of that. I want to kind of like accelerate away from stress and hardship and accelerate into fun, enjoyment, calm, love, and healthy living. They're creme de la creme in food, caught by myself, grown by myself. Do you think this general desire to be like that is the next chapter of your personal journey? 100%. The chapters are good. A good analogy. I've been thinking about that concept a lot, like how at certain points in our life we just get to, you know, a tool gets given to us. And from that moment, you're able to just start a new chapter, turn over a fresh chapter of life. Like, and it, that tool can also be an event like, you know, losing a partner for better or for worse. Sometimes, like, I see mates in toxic relationships and like, they just fucking axe the toxicity and then they're just like, they, they feel like that they can't or that society will look bad on them or that they they need this person and they cut them off and they're like, fuck, I'm free. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Like, how good's this? And those new chapters, yeah. So I would say I'm entering a new chapter. That's awesome. I like that analogy or saying where, you know, it's, you can always press the reset button on your life, like at any time. You know, and we're not defined by the past. Mm, mm. So many people are living in the past and defining who they're, who they are and their character by their uh, past achievements or past misdemeanors. For sure. And uh, whether it's positive or negative, uh, it's just never a good thing to be hang- attached to it. Man, that's so profound and so true. Like, it's crazy how defined we are by our past you know even me like you know the stories i tell myself constantly like these stories like they're the same stories that i keep telling myself are they true though uh like such a good question Mm, they're my recollection of things which is not necessarily true and even if it is it's not helpful like your best bet, and I learned this on the way driving here yet again for the millionth time in my life, is just to meditate when you're driving, when you're, you know, just to focus on what it is you're doing, and if not, then focus on your breath. And if you focus on your breath, you'll figure out how you're feeling, and if you you may need food or water or rest, mm. um, you may need to just focus on your breath more and stop thinking these stories and they are because yeah you're not I, I just don't think you're meant to you're not meant to stay stuck telling yourself these stories and thinking all day about these stories like 
But we, but that's the chart. We're always thinking about these stories in the past and in the, the future, aren't we? Isn't yeah, that what's the sure. thinking is? For sure. For sure. And for me personally, it, it always goes to negative things and then those negative things are throwing me into this perpetual mm. shame cycle. Mm. And the shame has just been limiting me. Shame and regret, hey? Shame, remorse, regret. Then that leads to feelings of like sometimes imposter syndrome, mm. inadequacy, and then it affects that affects my relationships, friendships. Uh, colleagues at work, mm. and uh, it really does come down to me. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, the the only solution to that I know is to step outside of the the thinking and the stories. And the only way I know to do that is through meditation, and that's why I do it. I mean, I didn't start doing it for that reason. I started doing it for fucking head knocks. Because <laughs> I read some Harvard paper saying like. Yeah, meditation will grow your hippocampus and shit. And like it was legit crazy science. I was like, fuck, well, this is so good for my brain. I'm yeah. going to do it. And then, it, sorry, it, it, oh, and then it's transitioned into this fucking full bone practice of just letting go of thoughts and, and cause those thoughts are your trauma and shit. And if you just fucking keep ramming the trauma into your own central nervous system over and over again, you fucking destroy your, self and your insides so meditation is the key like it's the key to it all it's it's essential have you heard about the research that says that you can regenerate brain cells yeah paul stamets talks about yeah, it yeah neurogenesis i haven't caught pace of that but i remember when it came out it got me really excited do you believe it uh i mean i tend to believe what the numbers say and i haven't looked at like where that science is at mm. um so I don't really know, but it sounded promising. Uh, and I think like there's a lot of things that do. And I think psilocybin mushrooms are the one pretty mm-hmm. much. It seems to me out of all what all the science indicates, it's that psilocybin and LSD are just amazing for the brain and for offsetting uh, dementia and Alzheimer's and these kinds of brain, cognitive diseases, it, it's fucking remarkable that A, that is the case, and B, like, it's been withheld from us. <laughs> well, I mean, Australia has legalised psilocybin, but still really inaccessible. Mm. I think we talked about that last time we chatted. But for those that haven't done that protocol that you were talking about, like the B3 vitamins with uh, a micro amount of psilocybin and lion's mixed with lion's mm. mane as well. You know, what are you what are you noticing in terms of your behavior and emotions when you when you do that? Well do all those protocols. Yeah, it's interesting man. And then obviously as well, like fundamentally it's what I do every day. Wim Hof okay. bit of stretching and, and meditation and a and a surf as right. well. So all that shit mixed in. Yeah. And um I do feel remarkable clarity in the keto kind of diet i'm only like fucking 16 no what am i like i'm not like 10 12 14 hours into it so i don't know if that's affecting me but ultimately i feel remarkable clarity right now and i was in the surf and i was looking at the clouds and they just had a bit of extra radiancy to them where the light was shining in the distance and i do notice that that is a bit of a telltale sign of microdosing or, or maybe not microdosing but a heightened sense of connection to the beauty of the world and and like just you're a bit more dialed in a bit more optimistic yeah you're you're enjoying you're enjoying what nature has to offer and it's it's Mm. charging you up 
because we need more optimism. Personally, I've been feeling the weight of the world lately. I, I just, I keep thinking and watching what's happening in the world and I just can't help getting, like, I'm just getting depressed by the news that I constantly keep hearing and, uh, I, you know, this is going to sound like, I don't want to sound negative, but I just feel like we're approaching end times. I don't know, man. I just want to share that with you because it's some just dark shit happening right now and I don't see a way out of it for our, as a, as a, as a race, mm. as a species even. I don't know. Yeah. I would say that it's, it's frightening, but the solution is really obvious and simple and it's up to people to implement it. And the solution is like it is something that exists at the grassroots level and it is simply wellness, as in it's breathwork and meditation and psychedelics if if it needs to be. But I don't think that it needs to be. I think just those two things and exercise. Like, But at a certain point, those things just tip you into a level of consciousness that is not concerned with consumption, greed, gluttony, war, power, domination, ego. At some point you step into a space that's a lot more calm and ingeniously avoidant of catastrophe. <laughs> and it's not that hard to get there. It's just like Does it, it's the only way. It's the only way I can see. Does it make you feel more empathetic when you do that? Like, do you feel like a, a sense of building empathy towards others? Uh, for sure. I mean, for sure, no doubt about it. That's that's like one of the, the primary teachings of Buddhism is compassion. Right. And Buddhism basically is a religion. Well, the, the creme de la creme of it, the Dalai Lama's Tibetan Buddhism, is just all about meditation. How's this, man? I fucking, in the last 12 months, well, last year, I met both Wim Hof and the Dalai Lama in 12 months. I shook Wim Hof's hand Mm -hmm. in Sydney at this huge fucking breathwork thing where he was was teaching 5,000 people to do Wim Hof and uh, he was like running thousands of people through these ice baths. Yeah. And I, um, I was one of the thousands of people that went through the ice baths and you could shake his hand on the way through. And how's this? He had fucking the people getting people into the ice baths. The helpers were all these like hoodlums with chains on, like all the like islanders and fucking just like white hoodlums from the houses. And that's who he had as his like little helpers getting people into the ice. Like, every detail was fucking so magic. Yeah, right. And, uh, so you had these hoodlums like doing this major act of compassion, helping people into the the ice baths, and he's educating thousands of people. And on the way around, I shook his hand, and I was like, "Thank you, brother. I appreciate you." You know what he said to me? He just went, "Yeah, yeah." Just this full fucking naughtyish growl. He was frothing. Mate, the cunt in real life was unbelievable. He, like, I sat in the front row. I watched him come out when he did his little lecture and he was hopping around and, like, his head was that weathered and blistered from fucking walking up mountains in bordies and 
his like legs were so jacked and he had this full fucking cannonball gut that was just like rock hard and he was just bouncing around like the fittest, thickest fucking ball of human. Like looked like he was from a different age. Wow. And mate, I was saying to my grandparents over fucking Chrissy that like he is a biblical figure, a proper a proper apocryphal character that's walked out of the pages of some fucking... Monday prophet? Yeah. Really? 100%. Well, he's more than a prophet because he's not preaching anything. He's mm. not even telling you fucking, telling you like what to believe in. He's just like, do this thing. Mm. Like you'll figure it out for yourself. And then he's letting other people do the science for him. Yeah. he's a, an, Like that's the beauty of it. Yeah. He's... he's, he's as an astute person would do, volunteering himself to the absolute cutting edge of where our species is at. Yeah. And he's come up with the most succinct way to good mental health and and wisdom and coupled with meditation, like I was saying, yeah, going to um, India and meeting the Dalai Lama, his whole fucking speech when we saw him, he said the gist of it was I wake up every morning and I do my breath work which allows me to be a kind and compassionate person and represent the Tibetan plight abroad. Right. It's all. It's basically what the gist of what he said. Yeah. Um, and meditation, obviously. Mm. But that was he just shared his morning routine with fucking thousands of pilgrims. And everyone's like, oh, oh my god, it's so true. What yeah. was the vo- like the vibe in the crowd? Was crowd was just electric? Yeah, it was. Mate, it was um, really interesting. There was, you know, this old temple, big temple, beautiful temple, like up in the mountains there in Dharamshala, and inside was hundreds of monks, as you'd expect, you know, in robes, bald head, and then also just hundreds of Tibetans who weren't monks, who were just living in exile. Your, your typical, you know, just Tibetans, like, and and their dress is classic, like they have their traditional kind of um, clothing and it, it's stuff that's made to last and they eat traditional foods and they also have iPhones. and um, But you had to leave all of them at the front gate. It was psycho. I couldn't believe that. The fucking security was so intense. Was it? Oh, mate, these hectic, like, Tibetan fucking, like, secret service cats were just, like, not they made you use, your, like, paw paw in front of them and, like, the craziest frisking, like, touching your Why? genitals. Why is paw paw in front of them? Because it might be a fucking oh, just explosive or Novichok in the tube, okay. you know? Major- so they, they can be staunch because, like, Fuckin my oath, image yeah. of Tibetans are just these, they're all, like, monk vibes. No, because when tro- – yeah, Because, yeah. you know, they're meant to be peaceful, well, non-violent. N- like, no, it's not exactly how it is. Like, they've definitely had warrior castes okay. in that culture. I guess you need it at a certain point. Um, otherwise, you just get ransacked by the fucking Mongols or – China or whoever was doing the ransacking at any which point in history. So they had those guys, but the Dalai Lama's message is simply, yeah, to take, to meditate and do breath work and just try to tap into that Buddha nature, that mm. Christ consciousness. Religion, I mean, do you align with any? No, because like, like at the end of the day, like, it's the, the practice that gets you there, not some cunt's fucking teachings in a book. Mm. That's not helpful. Like, you can't tell people how to think, but you can tell them how to act. You are, you, are you referring to the Bible? 
I, I feel like pretty much all of them okay. are pretty like that. They're like, oh, like, here's all this, these teachings in this. <laughs> I, like I'm saying this without having read one of them. Fucking how ignorant am I? Well, the reason I, I've, I've started reading the Bible in the yeah. last six months because I'm just like, I started just researching it and I was like, oh, there's 2.4 billion Christians in the world. Like, and then I read, read another stat that the Bible is the most sold book of all time. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, like, it's pretty popular. Of course I'd say that. And I've never read it. I've never even looked at it. And so I've just started reading it just to, to be less ignorant. Fucking pretty, yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, man. It's Powerful. funny. I, you know, I grew up in such a, a Catholic household and my granddad, to his credit, fucking icon of a man, mm. you know, boxer from Forbes, rough upbringing, like fucking gnarly white working class dude, but never drank or smoked and he's read the Bible, he's read the Quran, mm-hmm. like, and I've, you know, I grew up Catholic, spent a lot of time in Indo where it's both Hindu and Muslim, uh, and now... You know, my mum would probably be like pretty on the Buddhist spectrum, I reckon. Okay. Um, or at least like, yeah, that, you know, yeah, I would say so. Catholic, Buddhist, and then experiencing a lot of these religions. I haven't read the texts though. But at the end of the day, like anything that preaches dogma or tells you how to live is it seems a bit redundant to me when really the, the principles are simple it's breath work and meditation and exercise and then the rest takes care of itself you don't have to think about it you're on a kind of you're on autopilot you're on like mm. a bit of a, a cosmic um pathway where mm. your biology is and your chemistry is at a point that doesn't really a, allow you to be dogmatic or violent or See, that's depressed. The, that's the big thing. Like I'm starting to learn on my little journey with it and it's still a very early journey that it is. I don't actually, I'm not actually getting the vibe that the Bible is preaching dogma. I feel like it's people creating the dogma mm, mm, and mm. the organizations creating the dogma. Mm-hmm. And I've spoke to some God fearing Christians, Bible, strict Bible believing Christians that don't go to church. Hmm. Hmm. And I've really That's some of the most inter- some of the most most interesting people I've met, and uh, that like they've said to me, and I've and I've seen it uh, that it's this, that it's the churches creating the dogma, and people these you know sinners or people like these you know flawed humans, and humans have been flawed forever since the beginning of time. They've been doing atrocious things, and. It's like, well, what do you expect? You know, we're, we're all flawed and, and uh, we are self-serving primarily until we are filled with God and start to serve God. We're mm-hmm. always going to be serving our, our primal, our needs, our primal desires. Mm. You know, and some, they, they refer to the seven deadly sins. Mm, which is pretty much the ones I just listed, right? Yeah, exactly. Without having to read the Bible. And that, that's kind of my point is like, you can take acid, you can meditate, you can do breath work, you can do all those things at once. And you will reach a consciousness that is Christ consciousness or Buddha nature. And therefore you don't really have to read the Bible. You are living the same reality as Jesus, you know, more or less. Like it, it's not as hard as the fuck it. That's the, the great sleight of hand of the Bible. It's, it's making Jesus feel like he's this unattainable fucking reality. Man, mm. he was a carpenter from fucking Palestine. Um, who had partners, I believe. I don't know. And 
uh, yeah, did, did, did some stoic wise shit and was knocked off for it. But, uh, I feel like, like, I feel like Wim Hof is Jesus. He's the same thing. He's like, mm. does so much hard work through his biology that he taps into Christ consciousness. He taps into, and he won't be perfect. He, he, that's the beauty of fucking being a human is that he's going to have flaws in shit too. And Jesus would have had his. And But Jesus was persecuted for his beliefs. And Wim Hof is being persecuted is for his beliefs right now. Ask. And, and it's, it, classic, it makes his tale more and more biblical by the day. Interesting. Why do, why do we do that? Like, why do we want to persecute free thinkers, progressive thinkers, change makers? Because he's threatening to tip the card table over and cost cunts a lot of money in the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, you know, the, I guess, I, I can't, I don't, I haven't read the Bible, but who was it? The Romans or, you know, who did Jesus piss off? The Romans, right? And they knocked it. Originally, yeah. yeah. And then they exiled the Jews from Israel. Mm, 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 mm. And, uh, you know, Wim Hof, someone did his, uh, it's a sad story why he's being persecuted, but really sad. Um, this poor girl from a abusive, broken home, um, did Wim Hof in a pool and drowned. And uh, her mum had given her the the technique to do when she was feeling anxious and fucked up, and she did it. But obviously, like, you know, you could easily do that. I've had a friend do the same thing in fucking Cambodia, and I think what, he was on DMT out. as oh, well. Shit. And blacked out. And died, and they had to resuscitate. <gasps> like, he fucking flatlined and shit, and they resuscitated him. He was sweet. What, breath-holding underwater? Yeah, breath-holding in water, in, and then you pass out and from out. epoxia. Yeah, it's not something to be done anywhere near water, and it says that on the app, and it, he yeah. says that in, in pretty much all of his videos, but if it gets relayed to someone orally, yeah. they don't get the fucking warning, and she died, and the dad is trying to sue Wim Hof, um, and the mom is, is like fucking counter-suing the dad for try, like, trying to sue Wim Hof. You know, like she's yeah. like, this is bullshit. You're a fucking a sad old fucking angry dude and you're trying to he's suing the wife and Wim Hof for negligence and shit but Wim Hof will be sweet but man like you poke your head up above the parapet and you start calling out fucking the pharmaceutical industry the prison industrial complex the military industrial complex which he does he has political views and look at Russell Brand and you know Joe Rogan like they, they they fucking come after you man the left as much as the right the left may be more than the right it's interesting isn't it hmm Joe Rogan, I recently listened to a podcast with this guy who runs this organization called Ways to Well. Have you heard about it? And uh, his name's uh, uh, Brian Bergham or something. I don't Anyway, and he was talking, this guy used to work for health insurance companies in America, and he's just seen how broken the, the healthcare system is, like f- internally, you know, and how much insurance, private health insurance companies are completely rotting the, everybody financially, like in the system, and so he created this alternative uh, ways to to wellness through all through alternative means of health and longer consultation times, and it's a, a bigger initial investment for long term health and really pushing that preventative model as opposed to the curative model that we all function under. Mm. And he was saying how like Joe Rogan got really condemned when he got COVID and for using ivermectin, and the first thing CNN did was like completely obliterate his credibility or try to like, oh, he's using horse tranquilizer when really it never was. There was some really weak link to being a horse tranquilizer. Ivermectin was used in Africa to cure 
millions of people of this parasite that was sending them blind, right? That's it. That was it. And it, it won the Nobel fucking Peace Prize and shit. Like it's okay. an amazing piece of medical science that improved the lives of millions and millions of people. Yeah. As, as far as I remember, I mean, fact check, do your own research, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I read that as, as what ivermectin was invented yeah. for. But what Joe Rogan highlighted in the whole situation, he said CNN went after him big time. And in the end, it actually dis, it, it discredited, it discredited them, not him. Yeah. And there, he was saying how like their view count is like, it's like 40, he said they're getting on average 44,000 views a night. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, dude, I'm getting, he goes, I'm getting 40 million downloads like a month. <laughs> Fucking hell. And he goes, and, and he goes, and, I said, and he goes, and, got, and during all that, he goes, I got two, he goes, I got two million in a month. I got Magic. two million. Podcast, bro. It's the fucking, it is the revolution, man. I say it on the potty every fucking week or second week that it is the, the most, uh, significant thing to happen in information technology since the printing press that printed that fucking Bible that is in such high circulation, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Now we have this way to communicate with the world at volume mm-hmm. with no gatekeepers. And that's what the printing press enabled. In a much more finite sense, yep. this is much more democratized. It's insane. And Joe Rogan, credit to him, is a psychonaut, is a wellness fucking advocate and ripper in meditator. Mate, the cunt is a fucking legend. He's had, and it's not even about him. It's about the guests he has. Thank and, you. And his, his commitment to challenging himself and the various narratives that are getting put out by the mainstream media. And also his willingness to change his position. That's the key to being a fucking psychonaut and a meditator, man. Mm. It's like, and, and a blue collar guy too. Like, I think growing up working class, like, man, like, I look at myself and I'm like, oh, what do I know? I grew up fucking digging holes and punching on and punching cones and playing football and surfing. And like, I look at, like, I look at myself as someone who fucking knows nothing and I'm continually learning and transmitting that knowledge. And ready to self-correct and correct fucking all the time, constantly. Yeah. It's what I, that's what meditation does for me. It does, man. And I mean, that, and that was the point I wanted to make is that, yeah, I, like you just said, the like podcast is independent media and long form conversation is, is becoming the, a, a key, keystone to the, re, to some type of revolution and some type of re-empowerment against mm-hmm. a really broken system mm. globally. Massively. And I guess the question I want to lead into with that is like, you have a dedicated audience with Ain't That Swell. And I want to know, like, how do you balance like entertainment? Cause it is pure entertainment all mm. the time with the, like the responsibility of discussing important issues with, with a surf community, through a surf community. Uh, I would say like, um, I would say I don't. Um, is it something you consider? Yeah, I don't know if it is something I consider necessarily. Like, I feel like at the end of the day, like, there is a time for taking the piss. And like, look, man, at the end of the day, like, as fucked as things ever get or as fucking corrupt as they can get, especially if they're corrupt. The best thing you can do is take the fucking piss, mate. The best thing you can do is laugh at it all. And that is, there's nothing more degrading than that. When cunts are just pointing at you and laughing because you're a fucking crooked disgrace. So that's like, that'll always be there. And then, 
Uh, Actually, for the first time, then you, you look. I, you, I can tell you're a little bit stoned. Your eyes just went a little bit slitty. It's <laughs> the first time in the time we've been talking. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. Nah. Um. But. But, and, but that also, I get bored. I like oh, just talking about surfing. Fucking at a certain point bores me. Like you know, I got, I got. Like, I think there's more important shit in the world than throwing shapes on water. Yeah, because like, but it's mad. It is mad. Yeah, mad. But I just, I'm just wondering because like you, you bring up some heavy issues, bro. Well, and oh, mate, and like, look, well, where I grew up, right? Bondi's like fucking. It's the mate. It's a battleground of like class and. And culture and, mm. uh, and the, in the city in general where I'm from, that's where I'm from. Like, you know, fucking Dremoyne to Bondi to Maroubra, that triangle basically. So that, you, didn't live in Maroubra, played football there, mum is there now, but, and even, I would even say Lapa, let's say, for argument's sake. We got mates all in that zone, that big southeast quadrant. And made, uh, yeah, it was a fucking, you know, it was revolutionary characters, revolutionary ideas down there. You had the wharves, uh, you had a like, you know, uh, yeah, a lot of Maoris that were involved in the, the black power, like, or like my mentor was anyway, and, and, and ran squats and, you know, really countercultural, staunch socialist ideals. You had like, um, a bit of money and that, and old money, I guess, in certain parts. You had a lot of Jewish, um, war refugees and that, like, who'd made good money. You had fucking Iranians, Philos, ties, like, you know. But beyond all that, like, the place, I guess that's where the pommies landed and it's fucking been the hotbed of, of all the national leaders in the last fucking five years have all come from this area. Scott Morrison went to Sydney High. Malcolm Turnbull's from Bondi Junction. Anthony Albanese's from fucking Camperdown. Uh, Tony Abbott's from just the other side of the river in, uh, Warringah, Manly. Yeah. Mate, that's all of our last PMs pretty much like. But aside from Albo, the rest, of the, it's, it's because they're all from upper class families. Yeah, like not so much. Um, so that and that's Turnbull's an interesting one, man. Turnbull's like gets painted like that, but you know, I think uh, single dad, uh, and I don't know exactly how he made his money, but he's from the junction at least in a point of time when it was like that. Yeah, there was socialists down the street. It was in your street. You had garbage men, socialists, mm. wharfies, rugby league players, surfers, um, and likely migrants of various stock, and we liked it like that. Mm. And there were some people wanted to profiteer off that and rip it apart, and there's some people that didn't agree. Yeah. And that's the socialism versus capitalism fucking debate in a nutshell, right there, being fought out in my hometown. Mm. You know. So you, regularly, you and you and your mum mainly. Yeah. Just you and your mum. Do you have any brothers and sisters? I've got a half brother up here, and I've got a, a, a guy I would say is my brother who you know we adopted from the street. Yeah. And you're always renting. Yeah. And so because of, because you're always renters, you're always forced to move around. Like you yeah, were never exactly. In the so you become acutely aware of the injustice of being born poor, you know, like it's like we live an unstable life mm. and my mum is still in that life. Mm. And, you know, she broke her fucking finger the other day and she massages for a living and, you know, she's renting still at like, you know, mm. nearly 60. So it's a, it's a hard graph life. We're fortunate some people in the family have made a fucking mozza Flipping homes, just, oh, know, just being a chippy, like mate, it's iconic. Like I've set my uncles made a killing, and it was like like cashed up bogans. Yeah, they are now. Like, um, and they they're all from these bum fuck towns in the bush, mm. and they started doing a bathroom. 
was a bathroom first, renovate that, and then fucking get a bit of loot and yeah. get a bit of fucking alone and you're on your way. Yeah. Buying shit boxes and all the way to a park. My, my richest friend lived, le- left school. I went to school with him, left in year nine because his dad was a chippy. Said, come and be me apprentice, be my apprentice. Yeah. And then that led to, oh, okay, buy, bought, end up buying his first home at 21. Flipped it. Exactly. And just, flipped about 10. Bada bing, bada boom, mate. If you rode the fucking property wave of Sydney yeah. in the 90s, Mate, it was a major city that popped in the world on the coast. Like, yeah. how many of them are first world city are there? dumb at school. Like, yeah. Dumb. Wow. And just now killing it. Yeah. And then well, often. He probably doesn't even have to work anymore. Fuck, yeah. mate. The question is, can they switch off and do they have the experiences or, uh, yeah, the understanding to tr- achieve true joy and, and connection? And, and those things can only be experienced through community. And are they destroying the communities? Are they yeah. moving on the characters they, mm love in life and, and, and Turnbull and that like recognize this. They recognize what, what inequality and like particularly housing inequality and gentrification was doing to the city. And yeah. they, and he was, he tried to put a stop to it, man. And that's why he got fucking axed. And Albo, um, has, has been sick on housing and fucked on the environment. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, he's creating kind of like these easy, you know, you need much less of a percentage of, uh, the deposit to, to start getting a, a mortgage and shit like yeah. that. And, uh, you know, I think they're building a lot more like public and affordable housing. Are they? I don't know. That's a question, mate. I'm going to do exactly. I'm going to do my fucking stock take on this cunt because as much as I love him and he's a housing guy from the him. suburb I, I lived in, don't know if he's following through. I want to love him. I want to love him, but I, I, I just, I mean, I'm a renter now. Mm. I wasn't. I was a homeowner for like, Almost eighteen years till till I got divorced and lost mm, mm. pretty much lost it all. Wow! But it's um, it's so fucking tough being a renter, as you know. Like, I mean, I have a I have a tiny two bedroom unit in Newcastle, and it was like I competed against 40, 40 other people nah, for that place, not good you enough. know. That's and fucked. and I, and the thing is, like, I I have a I have a steady income, mm. you know. I'm on a teacher's salary. It's not huge, but it's consistent, and um. Yeah, I mean, I still had to like grovel for this, for this place. And I really feel like more people are going to start living in vans and we're going to, I think we're on our way to being like California where, you know, like the people that are on Centrelink in our country living in housing commission in, in California, those same people are living in tents around Skid Row. Not, and you know, it's all, it's synonymous with drug use and addiction, that area of California and LA, but, a lot of there's a lot of people who are not on drugs. They just literally have nowhere else to go. And I just feel like that's where we're that's where we're, we're not far off that. Hmm. I don't know. I see it more and more. I'm seeing more and more people living in vans. Mm, fuck. I don't know. Especially around the city. I mean, I've been in Sydney a lot lately. Have you know? Have you have you been in Sydney recently? Mate, I never for any major stretch of time, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. It's hard. It's hard, really hard to get a gauge on this kind of shit. Like you, you can't. That's why you need the data and stats. But then you, you really have to be careful of, of who's giving you that data. Like I look at some of these companies that kind of give you the data on on uh, housing, and they're they're also invested or they're a part of the fucking housing and building industry. And I'm like, well, can you trust it? Like, um, mate. Mm, fuck, I just bought, I'm just wondering whether to share this even, but yeah, I just bought a block, let's say. Congratulations. And, uh, the block was fucking peanuts and it's in an area where there is a lot of fucking junkies. And, um, yeah, it's, 
man, it's one of them things, eh? It's like, uh, I mean, you, a, you don't seem like someone who's driven by money. Mate, I. But do you want more money? I think you need a certain amount to live a fucking halfway decent, calm life in there's this an, country. There's an equation they for They say it. it's 80 grand, don't they? And then it take, like from that point on, it's like your happiness doesn't go any higher. That's the graph. I wish I had a fact checker on demand. Like, Yeah, Mike's girlfriend <laughs> worked at a bank and that, she was telling me that anyway. She's like, there's a graph that says at 80 grand, your happiness basically flatlines. Yeah. And, no. and, and it's a steep curve until 80 grand, your happiness really improves yeah. because at 80, you're like, all you need worried about, all you need is a man. And there's an equation you can you can put together and answer a bunch of survey questions for it, for like what your hap, like what your financial happiness level is, um, and it's and they ask you questions about like you know lifestyle and spending habits and what you need. And I actually did it, and I think I worked out for me to be like really happy financially. Financially, it's not that high. It's like it's like ten grand a month, pretty much will give me everything I need. It'll allow me. It'll allow me to pay off a mortgage based on the median house prices in Australia. It'll allow me to have money to travel when I want to travel. It'll have an, it'll allow me enough money to buy, buy two to three surfboards a year. Uh, it'll allow me to pay for private health insurance mm. and, and buy the quality of food that I want to buy. Like, so I, I want to eat biodiverse organic fruit and vegetables. Here's the thing, man, that 120 K a year, that's not realistic for any of us. <laughs> and, uh, but, well, maybe what do you mean it's not realistic? Oh, fuck, man. Like, not achievable? Oh, mate, I don't think you... Oh, mate, achieving that ethically. But my point more, like, it would be hard. My point more is, like, if you can get cheap land, build homes with your mates, grow your own food, catch your own food, mm. then you don't need 120K. Um, okay. Yeah, and that's what I'm doing. Interesting. Yeah, and the trick is to get near waves, uh, and I've kind of managed to do that, but I'm surrounded by some rough characters. <laughs> Do you think a lot? I mean, I feel like a lot of people are living beyond their means. Probably myself included. Oh man, I can't, yeah, I refuse to. And do you? Uh, yeah, completely. I've never had a credit card. I refuse to go into debt. This yeah. is like one of my founding creeds. And that's right, though. It's hard. It's hard. And the only way I've managed to do it is through living in a garage at my fucking grandma's for fucking eons. For like living, you know, caretaking my dad's joint while he was looking after my grandma while she was sick, and like living in Bali and like. You know, living in a fucking display unit on my uncle's building site, like just, <laughs> just so you, you've been like squirreling away little bits up. of money for yes, years and years yes. and years. Always as a gift to my partner and child at some point, but a gift in the the sense of like not having to worry about money because that's all I ever did growing up. Yes, brother, mm. I get it. I get it. I came from a single parent household as well, man. Never had anything, and then I. Really was so focused on making money, man, mm. like, just, and just would cling on to mm. it, you know, because I just never had any. And then I actually had a taste of what it's like to have some good money, mm. you know. But then the universe has this really uncanny way of going, it's not good for it. Like, I, I think it was actually going to be bad for me if I kept having too much money. Hmm. And then it somehow just all went. That's, yeah, that's interesting, man, that you're making good money. I've never made good money, and the idea of making 120K a year blows my mind. But really, they're the numbers that people drag in in this fucking joint. And some it, some would say that's that's uh, that's low income. That's insane. Like uh, that's you know that's like that's pretty much a teacher's salary, a full time wow. teacher's salary. That shows how out of touch with economics I am in this country. Mm. But that said, I'm out of touch with my, the earnings of my business too. Like it's, a, I'm, I'm fucking, I, I just, <laughs> my, my whole understanding of 
finance. I, I and I just look at my savings, and I'm like, well, that's what it needs to be to get me this block and this house and this thing, and that's I don't care about anything else. And I'm uh, not writing like stringent budgets and stuff. No, nah, not at all. I just spend as little money as I can. And uh, without being a fucking tight ass, okay. and have all the things that I need, yeah, and nothing more. Mm. I like I can't think of it in terms of yeah, budgeting and and it's a full shortfall in me. Like I'm learning that the hard way now, looking into the accounts of the business and how much money we've been making and where it's been going and shit. I'm like fuck, yeah. I should be paying way more attention to this. Yeah. Paying forty grand to the tax man and shit, like me and born, like you know. You had to pay that to the tax yeah, man. Yeah, because we're just idiots. We don't know what the fuck. You didn't we're do doing. your bad statements, did you? Oh, fuck! I don't know what one is, mate. I'm not even joking. Business activity statement, bro. Yeah. So I got so many tradie friends that got get fucked up by that because they're, they're subbies and subcontractors, oh. and they don't do their bad statements every three. They're gonna do them every three months and shit. Yeah, 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 and yeah. Declare like their spending and stuff. It's just way too much for them. Fuck! It's too much. Yeah. And then it comes to tax time, and they just push it all across the counter to the tax man, and yeah. the tax man's like, "You got to pay this now." Yep. It's heavy. That's pr- pretty much what we're going through. But yeah, sorting it out. We live in a very expensive country, mate. We do, and that's why I lived in Bali, and and that's why I'm uh, intent on growing and catching my own food because I would I enjoy that process, and I'd rather that be my job than making money than then go fucking buy food that's worse. It's a beautiful way to live. Yeah, if yeah. it can be done, I'm sure it can. And I think as communities, if we band together. And think in these terms, I think that's a, a major solution to mm. the way the planet is going. I was in Mullumbimby today and yeah, I know there's a lot of stereotypes associated with that place and there's a lot of dudes cruising around in Mullum, the whinging capital of the world. Right. And there's a lot of dudes in, my friend called them, um, Mullumbimby starter packs, which like they wear like, um, lin- linen pants and sandals and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You the, know? it's made <laughs> Durham Charlotte, like you go to all these like kind of, Hessian hotspots and mm. fucking there's heaps of cunts that look like that. Yeah. And generally, like, I don't want to be too disparaging or generalize mm. too much, but generally, like, the people who have to virtue signal their alternative identity are the least likely to be doing the work. That's <laughs> been my succinct summary of... The, the point I was going to make, though, is, like, you, you drive in there, and yes, there's that big aspect of it, but there's also this beautiful, massive permaculture farm. Yeah, oh, bro, Roddy, okay. shout out to Roddy, my yeah. man, the okay. Brazilian, he fucking, yeah, yeah whether and I, I, I don't know there. how it's functioning, I don't know how they're functioning within the community, but either way, it is advocating for growing your own food uh, organically and bio, with biodiversity, which yep. is amazing. And then also I went to this amazing uh, health food shop there and everyone that worked there was a certified and qualified naturopath and they had all their certifications up, whether they're legit or not, I don't know. Mm. And they, you know, I wanted to buy some products. I've had this ongoing shoulder issue. I wanted some natural products to help with like tissue repair and whatnot. And I basically got like a free half hour consultation with a naturopath who just, you know, he asked me all these questions about my health system and my and, and some of my health and lifestyle behaviors and you know, usually I'd have to pay good money to go and see a naturopath for an mm. hour for a consultation, but I sort of got it for free, and I'm like, "Wow, and that's the place crazy!" Was busy, dude. Like, that's crazy. You got a free consultation. Well, just like, yeah, he just like, he he gave me a solid half hour while I was wow. in the shop of just you know going through every uh, my body and asking me all these questions that's of cool, age man. and medical history and. Yeah, just help me log. sort of pinpoint. Yeah, my mum is my mum studied naturopathy. She's a remedial massage therapist and a naturopath. And I grew up on like a lot of that stuff. Like it was trippy, you know, playing fucking you know elite football and like mum's getting the arnica dropper out when I'm all 
corked out and bruised up and fucked up. Right. And like, but also going to see their creme de la creme osteopath in Sydney. Mm. Fucking who looked after the swans and that Ross Partington was a genius man. I, the, the, the wizardry that is in that medical space as well, like osteopaths, naturopaths. I only see osteos now. Yeah. 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 It's critical to know the differences. You know, I've never seen a physio or a chiro in my life. I've mm. only ever seen like massage therapists and osteos and. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I guess, and overall, I just sort of was like, yeah, because I sort of had this like bit of a chip on my shoulder, like, oh, fucking hippies everywhere. And, you know, and I went to this like bougie fucking sauna and ice bath place, which was like epic. Epic, mate. That joint's like, <laughs> that, that, like I was saying to you on the phone, like you go to some places and you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe life gets this good. And it's, yeah, it costs a bit. But it's like, I didn't know that was possible. That was a new reality. Blew me out. Yeah, exactly. It was and mad. Yeah, it was bad. And it, it was just like, regardless, they're advocating for some like, really good practices here. And uh, I, was, I was sort of left there a little bit inspired, you know. And I know there's all sorts of... Like they're always the easiest people to criticize and condemn and, and, and accuse of hypocrisy and contradiction and whatever. Mate, it's, it's the people who wear the OM symbols and are like, you know, just kind of have all like dreadies and like, um, like just have all these kind of countercultural motifs, but don't do the work. Okay. They're misrepresenting the work. Ooh. And that's a fuck up. It is a fuck up. Like they've come to define meditation and breath work and yoga and shit, those people, and they often don't even do it. And mm. the people that need it are the cunts on the fucking job site and in the houses and like in this kind of hoodlum blue collar culture. But they should be in that space and normalized within that context and cultural context. But I feel like those kind of the hippie set of kind of cat pissed all over him. <laughs> That's just just soaked it in patchouli oil, <laughs> fucking thrown some lentils at it. And it does fucking. And just whinged. So much fucking whinging about fucking internet towers and shit. I mean, no, maybe they're on point with that. I don't know. Fucking us. And it does smell like patchouli in the streets there. I love it. It's funny. <laughs> you, you know, you're, you're a good social commentator, I reckon. I've always said that. And I think it, you know, there's been, you know, your, your podcast is popular and there's a reason for that. Okay. Do you think that, you know, that, that upbringing and being surrounded by that diversity in the eastern suburbs, you know, and the moving around all the time. Do you think that might have been a gift in disguise for you? Yeah, I reckon, uh, oh, mate, fuck, in hindsight, yes. Like, uh, you know, like it, it, it schooled me in the forces of capitalism and economics and greed at a very young age. I've been learning about broken systems for a long, long time. Interesting. And uh, and not learning about them, living it. So you know where the fucking holes are when you're living in it as you're finding out now renting. And as I'm not finding out because I'm fucking, I'm not paying rent and I'm like, I've got this, yeah, trippy setup, comes at a cost. Are you feeling more peace though? Are you feeling peaceful? <sighs> Fuck, man. It's, it's. Is there like nah, a No, there's dramas involved in it. It's oh, like, it? yeah, you pay a cost. There's yeah. always some cost until you have your own joint. Mm. But, uh, uh, what? Oh, man, I lost my train of thought. But, uh, fuck, yeah. It's gone. Sorry. I took you off track a little bit when I asked you if you felt content. content what were we talking about before that? Well, I was just, I was sort of like, sort of. Oh, learned the traveling around and that. Mate, yeah. So traveling around taught me a lot about the world. Yeah. And then getting the job as a journalist 
and not knowing what really a journalist was and how mm. to be one and not knowing anyone who was one, I was like, fuck, if I just travel and learn and just live as many different realities as I can and walk in as many, pe- in as many people's shoes as I can, then I will learn about the world and I will be a good journalist and a good writer. I need to fast track my learning in this world to survive in this trade because every other cunt was like in older, you know. There's no yeah. dudes who are like 22, 23, 24 making a quid as a fucking freelance journalist, but I didn't have a, a choice or I could have maybe worked in an office in North Sydney or something, but yeah. I wasn't that interested in that. Mm. So, yeah, and I just travelled and travelled and travelled and read and read and read and experienced and experienced and experienced and eventually it's given me a bit of a... Uh, you just get to compare realities, all these different realities, yeah. and that like, yeah, that, like broadens your experience of the world or something. That's been your education. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you must feel different after doing years of of article writing, interviewing. You you must be a different human from when you started out. Aside from getting oh, older, I think it's just the getting older mostly. Like, oh, I don't you know. You must be smarter for me. I'm pretty simple when it all boils down to it. I like surfing and football and chilling with my mates and like getting stoned occasionally and you know like i but yeah i'm interested in politics for sure what about um journalists that you really respect and admire who are they mate it's all about john pilger and he fucking just passed the the icon uh scum valley's finest himself johnny pilger 84 the richie benno of investigative journalism and but seriously mate oh fuck it it I knew he was old. I've seen him talk a couple times. I've asked him questions in the in the flesh. He lives in London, um, and he surfs. He's from Bondi. He surfs. He lives in, I believe, Cornwall, so he can surf. Right, but he did. He did, and um, he, you know, but what he's known as is the most fucking <coughs> fearless investigative journalist of all time that I've ever heard of, and I know. As far as I know, I know everyone of note in the trade. There's not that many of them, like, yeah. mate, because they all get fucking shot and imprisoned. And this bloke never did. And his whole career, he made, you know, his career coincided with the end of World War Two and uh, American imperialism via the CIA and their imperialist wars in, and well, imperialist wars and coups in many, many countries. And this is a totally untold side of history, and it's. It's ongoing and it's, yeah, right. it's fucking completely insane that we aren't told about this. Well, like what, what made him so credible in your eyes? Just fearless? Uh, going there, you know, yeah. go, going to these places. Okay. Um, and just talking to people. It's really all you have to do. Uh, you know, you go there with, an open mind and you ask people what's going on. Yeah. You know, like even the biggest, like even me, I could understand when I went to these countries for the first time, why are they so poor? Like where, they're not dumb. Mm. So why don't they have anywhere near as much money as we do in the West? Like why are these cunts so fucking doing it so tough? Doesn't add up. Yeah. One plus one doesn't add up to two because they're smart, industrious people. And as I grow, grew up, I was like, oh, because... Most of the time, they have resources that are being pilfered by colonial superpowers like yeah. Europe and America. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that's what happened all through Central America and Southeast Asia and 
uh, in ways Australia and uh, like he dedicated his whole career to documentaries and, and exposing the criminal manipulation of society by big industrialists and big capitalists in the military industrial complex and the fucking fashion industry and the food industry and it's crazy eh? oh man a very close uh you know confidant of julian assange's um yeah the goat people don't want to hear that. julian assange is the goat uh and pilger both yeah yeah both yeah like people don't want to hear the truth and it's so easy to cover the truth these days it really is. Yeah. Mate, just I would suggest watch as many of his films as you can mm. because it's all you need to see. If you just if you really want to know. Like do you want to know? If you want to know how it works, just watch his films. People don't, I don't in my opinion, especially in Australia, people are happy to be complacent and they don't want to know until it's directly affecting their lifestyle. Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess some people are like that, but like the thing is it will affect you. Like if they're going to do it to some other cunt, they're going to do it to you. Why do you think you're special? Because you got the same color skin as them. Give me a fucking break, you idiot. They don't give a fuck what skin color you are, mate. They give you. They give a fuck whether they, whether you're in their bloodline or you can make them some money, or or, or or you, or you can get fucked by them. Like in the physical, sexual sense, they're all about fucking prostitutes and and like, <laughs> <laughs> mate. I'm just watching all this Epstein shit go down, and I'm like. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about—just ego, power, dick swinging antics. But I find it so interesting. Like Epstein, you mentioned Epstein, for example, and there's now like a Netflix series about him. So like the information is so readily available for people, and it's almost like they've designed it and presented it in a way that's able to be a Netflix documentary. So it's like it's it's visually appealing. It's very well planned and organized. But then people still just they hear about it and then they just forget about it in a few days because it's not really important to them. Yeah. And, and how can you change the reality? And it's I'm feeling like that. I'm feeling what you're feeling with the depression with paying attention to what's happening in Palestine at the moment. And mate, like I listen to Democracy Now, I listen to the Empire Files and these like hard hitting, hardcore investigative journalist fucking podcasts mm. and it is so fucking, you know, you're at the point where you're just going, oh, man, I fucking, do I have to go self-immolate? Like, <laughs> not really. Self-what, sorry? I'm joking, but like. Self-what? Like what the monks used to do, lighting themselves on fire oh, yeah. in, in the streets like to, to protest war and shit. Yeah, you know, mm. like that. But like it feels like that. It feels like you're going to explode. Like there's just these fucking raging Nazis slaughtering people uh, in the Middle East, like unapologetically uh, just slaughtering, I just wasting be- human life and, and, and dancing about mm. it on TikTok. And, uh, when you say, are you referring to Isra- yeah, like Israelis? Yeah. I went on a bit of a deep dive, like just trying to understand why they're being so brutal. And, and, and I did, I really made, I made a really big effort to, mm. and I spoke to some friends who are Israeli as mm. well. And, you know, like one of them put it to me like this, and I'm just going to put it out there. And I, I'm not just presenting the idea. I'm not. I definitely am not advocating for the slaughtering of anyone, of any innocent people. I think it's disgusting what's going on as well. I want to make that clear. But he's, he compared it to the plight of the Indigenous in Australia and said, well, um, you know, we, the Indigenous in Australia, they believe this land always was and always will be. You know, And I agree with that. And he actually compared it to the Israelis and said, like, that land was theirs. Historically, they were there first. The Israelis then, are. Yeah, and then they were exiled from the land. 
okay, by the Romans and the Egyptians. And then that was when the Palestinians moved in. But they weren't called Palestinians then. They were just coastal dwellers who were encouraged to move in to literally like to, as a way of eradicating the Jews from the area, from the Holy Land. And then eventually the Jews were able to come back in slowly and, and live harmoniously together, and they did for a long time. And then until 1948 is when they were like, well, they started to accumulate wealth, power, uh, allies such as America who needed an outpost in the Middle East because they're the only ally in the Middle East mm. which has direct access to oil. Mm. So they're serving colonial imperial interests yes. in the Middle East. Someone's got to do it. Exactly. And then he's like, so they're now coming back. And, and I mean, this is a really heavy analogy. He said, well, imagine if the Australian indigenous people were able to accumulate wealth and power and become the, the powerful force in this country. Do you, do you think they would want to fucking, how do you think they would treat, would they treat the people that stole their children, raped their women, forced their culture away from them, isolated them. Do you think, how, how do you think they would treat the white man that came here and did that to them? And, and that's, that was the comparison that he was made just to, to get into that, that yeah, psyche. It's nice that to hear, a, it's nice to hear, uh, a, a bit of a history like that and, uh, another perspective on it. Yeah, I like because it. I just, I can't rationalize how they can be so brutal. You know, do you ever listen to the Tim Pool podcast? So you can't rationalize how Israel, yeah, I just can't rationalize how they could just be so so brutal. Yeah, I, I just I, I still yeah. can't rationalize it. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I know Tim Pool. Yeah, I mean, sorry, if I it's simple. No, not at all. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking. Um, I mean, yeah, like just my take on it is that uh, all lands are fought over, uh, all wars are fought over land and. Women, I think that's the quote from Shanaram, and that's what this one is being fought over precisely. Uh, it's been fought over, uh, I guess, in increasingly the theft of land by Israel in Palestine, and that, that, so that that's where you, that's where you will get opposition from Israelis. Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you? Mm. Why wouldn't you? Like, and that that's I don't think anyone's disputing that. Most Israelis won't dispute that, well, let's say your moderate Israeli would not dispute that. Mm. This is why there was fucking hundreds of thousands of people protesting against Benjamin Netanyahu in the outbreak, mm. in the lead up to the outbreak of this war. Part of the reason, because he was in implementing judicial reforms mm. that took away power of the courts and judges, which would allow him to enable power. He's a political survivor. He's been done like 16 years as Prime Minister in various terms. Mm. So he's doing that, and he's aggressively seizing land on the West Bank. Like, these two facts aren't in dispute. So he's being protested against, he's doing these judicial reforms, and he's seizing land on the West Bank. He's a classical right-wing, conservative, war-hungry leader. Zionist. A Zionist. As well. Of course. He's all about the state of Israel ruling both lands. Mm. Um, Hamas is about the same thing. They want a one-state solution. So you've got a two-state and a one-state. Both Netanyahu and Hamas want the same thing. They want a one-state solution. They're just two pit bulls going at it. Uh, the bummer is there's all these fucking innocent people in the middle mm. and they're getting slaughtered. 
Honestly, that's what's interesting. And then I, I mean, you're not allowed to do that. And there's so much like, I don't know if it's like false information, you know, stories of some of those Hamas leaders hiding out in orphanages. So then the Israelis are bombing the orphanage. But then the, cares, the, other, the other, the other point it that doesn't was, even matter, does it? Like if they're hiding out in an orphanage, you don't get to kill fucking 50 kids to kill agree, one Hamas I agree. guy. I agree. But the other point is that was made to me was like, you know, Hamas are running Palestine under Sharia law, and they have they have been for years. So um, they follow the Quran like literally, mm. and there's philosophies in the Quran such as an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Did you know mm-hmm. that's from the Quran? Yeah. So and, and, and so and, and so the argument being that like by butchering twenty seven thousand people, mm. they're helping to eradicate this hardline interpretation of Islam. Oh, well, yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, and that's where the Israelis are. Are just really also running on fear because they, they, it's like, I think their mindset is like these are savages who, if we don't exterminate yeah. them, yeah. they're just, they're gonna, they're running under those philosophies yeah. of like, that might be not a matter of if or when, they're gonna commit what they did on ex- October, se- October 7th. Yeah. Remember when they, that terrorist attack where uh, they of went course. to the festival and, and it was done in a very, very brutal way, like very hands-on, brutal way, yeah. the way they did it. So it's just, they're just completely running on fear now. That that was another, another yeah, so, viewpoint on so, it. Yeah, so they're, I, they're trying to unapologetically, ethnically cleanse a land. Like So they started by kind of doing that in a more subtle way, seizing land on the West Bank, this aggressive kind of apartheid policy, like different, you know, one street's a Jewish street, Israeli street, one street's a Palestinian street. Palestinians constantly going through checkpoints. Got this fucking two two sets of rules for two different people, and then uh, obviously it blows up. Look, um, man, we did a whole episode on this. Did uh, you? Yeah, with Lucy Small's system failure. Uh, the first one we did, the goat conspiracy one. Go listen to it because um, I got a bail and I fucking you to go. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. we like uh, yeah, we fucking smashed this out with all of its factual. As deep of a dive as we could pull off being, you know, a, a career journalist of like, uh, 20 years. So, um, but okay, check it out. I'm trying to g- give a summation of it. Like the, yeah, the land theft has turned to ethnic cleansing mm-hmm. and Israel is running on fear. So they're just butchering people. That sounds a lot like what the Nazis did to the Jews. Or what, like, what any, like, this is just a classic butchering. It's a classic genocide and there's no justification for it. And religion can be the, can be, uh, can be like part of the, to yeah. take responsibility for it. It's, it's the two conflicting ideologies as well yeah. at the, at, at the bottom of it as well. Yeah. Or yeah. Maybe, I guess maybe so. At the top I, of it. I mean, the leaders will have you think that the leaders of Hamas, the leaders of fucking, uh, Israel will, will tell you that, yeah. but I feel like there's a lot more common ground in in the in between and the, uh, in the the ordinary everyday working people who just want to go home to their families and, and break bread. Um, and I think when you listen to that podcast, that system failure on with Lucy Smalls, you'll find out that uh, a lot of the people who were butchered in that that October seven attack were peace activists from Kibbutz Beri who raised over four hundred thousand euros, I think, for this. Uh, uh, I forget the exact name of the charity, but it was a charity designed to take Palestinians to Israeli hospitals across, through the checkpoints. Yeah. And um, these were the peace activists in Israel, and they were butchered and they attacked along with the, the people at the rave who were, 
you know, generally countercultural, drug taking, the least likely people to be fighting a war. So it's almost as though uh, Netanyahu sacrificed the enemies within his own community to create uh, a reason to then fucking wipe out a people with mm. American bombs and guns. Hey, aside from, um, aside from you said being more disciplined this year, maybe with the podcast and stuff like, you know, what, what's, what's happening with Ain't That Swell this year? Like any exciting plans or aspirations or you got any new articles or oh, what's man. going on? Just the same, uh, same, same old, formula? Just ch- pumping them out when I can. <laughs> you pump out a lot, right? Oh, mate, I don't pump out as much as a bricklayer lays bricks, so, you know, just keeping them entertained out there. And I've got one, like, you got to run now? Like, how long you got? Uh, like, two minutes, five minutes? Yeah, I've got to go now. Okay. Well, man, it's been a pleasure, as always, and, um, yeah, man, have a right afternoon. I'll check you Thank you, Shan Lord. Yeah. Do you like CBD oil? Yes, I really do. Wow. He was stoner. Um, you could consider it as such, however. But you know you can't get stoned off CBD oil. I have heard that because it's only CBD, right? Not THC. Yeah. There you go. Well, THC is a psychoactive ingredient, which is not in CBD oil. I see, I see. There you go. So if you go to crushorganics.com, that's K-R-U-S-H-O-R-G-A-N-I-C-S.com, and use code THT, you get 40% off. How does that make you feel on the inside? That is very exciting. And my insides would be pleased with that CBD. Dude, do you get sore muscles? Very much so. Yes, man. Very much so. And the CBD helps massively with that. Dude, it does, man. So go to crushorganics.com. Yes.